We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat-ass talk. Good afternoon. It's Pixie, or Mel. And the Ogre. And wow, we were gone for a minute. Just a little bit. I, I like on a real note though, I had like a major depressive episode last week, so. Yeah, but you're better this week, you seem. I am, I am. So we are going to talk about two animal processing plants, both in the state in which we live, North Carolina. This was a listener suggestion. Yes, so thank you, Tina, for the suggestion. We appreciate you. Um, so Tina had recommended us talking about the Hamlet processing plant fire of, I believe, 1991? 91, yes. And that got me thinking about this segment I saw in the documentary, What the Health, about the Smithfield processing plant in Tar Heel, North Carolina. So I did my research on the Smithfield farms. I think I'm gonna go first. Yes, please. <laughs> and uh, Laura will follow up with the Hamlet. Hamlet. Uh, the Hamlet. So disclaimer, you know, I'm, I'm not planning on getting too graphic, but there will be some discussion of like animal deaths and animal cruelty if some see it that way and meat production. I'm an aspiring vegan, so, uh, you know, I can understand why, how that would be a sensitive topic. So just trigger warning, content warning. And also just capitalism, you know? I have, fuck capitalism. I have no animal death in my story, but I have human deaths in my story. So. Okay, that deserves a content warning. You know, it's a little sad. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot sad, but. Of course. Uh, yes, 100%. So just kind of throwing that out there. So if that's not something that sits well with you, maybe this isn't the episode for you. But listen to our cult one, because that one's epic. Cult one's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> So I did a little research. So Smithfield is a pork producer and food processing company based in Smithfield, Virginia. Um, however, the world's largest pig processing plant is right here. We live in Asheville, but in Tar Heel, North Carolina. It is a 973,000 square foot plant. Damn. And in 2000, so this is 20 years ago, said to process 32,000 pigs a day. Oh my gosh. And according to the What the Health documentary, in the state of North Carolina, there are as many pigs as there are humans. Wow. 32,000 That's not like rogue pigs walking down the street. You know right. what I mean? Not those <laughs> feral wild pigs. <laughs> not the indigenous pigs of North Carolina, but the pigs being processed, which I think is safe to say is probably all of the pigs in the state. Um, so this plant opened in 1992, and April 18th of this year, it had its first reported COVID case. So what was interesting about the story is that while Tina brought to light the Hamlet processing plant fire, 
this made me think of Smithfield, and it totally ties into COVID, capital, capitalism, the dumpster fire that is 2020. Yes. So um, in my research, I found an excerpt or found some information from a book by Stephen M. Wise called An American Trilogy, Death, Slavery, and Dominion on the Banks of Cape Fear. Okay. And he was a legal scholar who specialized in animal protection. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, but despite that, not necessarily like an animal rights activist, but just like specializing in their protection in being processed. So he wasn't a vegan. He wasn't protesting, you know, don't eat meat, don't consume meat, but more like advocating for we need to do this more humanely. Yes. And that's arguable too. <clears throat> but where is Tar Heel, North Carolina? I'm not familiar with that. I don't either. I don't know. I Let's ma- look it up. I imagine it's more towards the east. This is a live Google. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sponsored by Google now? Oh my God, please. <laughs> Capitalism. But also, if anyone's listening, yes, I am available for sponsorship. Oh. Thank you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's see. Maps. This is fun, guys. It's in Bladen County. Does that mean anything oh, to you? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Where's Bladen County? Uh, it's on the East Coast. Okay. Towards the South. Okay. Um, All right. So, yeah, that would be the Cape Fear River Basin area. All right. Okay. And that area of North Carolina, like a lot of areas of North Carolina, are very, um, it's a, I guess I want to say a poor part of the state okay um, lower income lower low income and yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of trump supporters on, well, in that area this and state was one of the swing states that we were all biting our fingernails about uh two yeah. weeks ago so it's an interesting area of 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 the state um yeah from what i understand from the people that i work with it's called back east Back East? That part of the state is called Back East. Huh. Um, fun fact, uh, I think most of our listeners by now know that I'm from New England, specifically Connecticut. And the first time I met my current employer and she said she was from Back East, I said, oh my gosh, so am I, where? And she was like, oh no, Eastern North Carolina. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought I, you meant I used to live in <laughs> Wilmington and I, I uh, traveled to um, that area a lot okay. for work, so it's it's a, a you know a farming kind of area. Yeah, a lot of rural, you know, rural, rural, rural. That is, rural. let me tell you, and I am a podcast aficionado, and that word comes up occasionally, and no one can fucking say it. Rural. So yeah, I imagine that it is like you said, pretty rural and low or like working class working class yeah 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 Yeah. um which ironically you would think would not be trump supporters but we're not gonna this isn't a political episode or is it (laughs) i think every episode is political we tell you up front in the intro this is an intersectional you know commentary podcast and i feel Mm. like this it becomes political as you'll find out but you know um but yeah, I digress. But Trump supporters and working class, it just seems like an oxymoron to me. Yeah, it does. Sadly, it's true. 
But so tell me about this fire. No, yours is the fire. I'm a fire. Yeah, oh. you're on fire. This girl is on fire. No, I'm just talking about the shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's no fire here, but this is just kind of setting up like race, class, um, so socioeconomic status that we're talking about, and how that impacts the employees at these plants. And capitalism. And and capitalism is the driving point. Um, so what's interesting is the piece of land that the Smithfield plant in Tar Heel is on, and I think this is can be said for literally every piece of land in this country, obviously originated with Aboriginal tribes, but it was decimated by Christian settlers. And then it was the site of a plantation where slaves were held captive, and now it's the world's largest pig processing plant. I mean, like, like... Why is this not a horror movie? You know what well, I mean? Well, I mean, it sounds like the perfect place for hauntings, um, you know. Absolutely. A long history of shitty things have happened there. Absolutely. So why not a pig processing plant? Exactly. Um, his book talks about how the employees become callous and many immigrants work there because if they're undocumented, they're not going to really complain about the working conditions. They're not going to complain about the pay, um, which is like almost indentured servitude. I mean, it's bad. Um, and they're not going to report violations. They want to stay under the radar. Right. Um, they're also obviously more apt to get sick and injured because the production is so fast that they're getting cut. They're getting infections from the infections from the animals. It's just a literal shit show. And if this place is a 900,000 square foot processing plant, yes. then I, I would venture to say they're one of the largest employers in that county. And that's just it. That is just it. So, so people who live there, like if they want to have a paycheck, this is probably one of the most obvious places that they can get hired. That's right. Um, so in turn, Smithfield can pay them less, have less benefits, and people are more willing to overlook safety violations yep. and code violations because they, if, if they don't work there, where else are they going to work? Exactly. And while regulations do exist in theory, they're not enforced because enhancing the pigs' lives decreases the profit. Oh, exactly. Capitalism. So then I was looking, and of course I'm going to include all of these links in the show notes, but... Um, April 18th of this year, employees were listed as positive for COVID, but they were not being, other employees were not being informed who were testing positive. And I understand that's a sensitive subject right now because I understand folks are, are thinking like, that's my private medical history and that's a violation of my privacy. But it's a communicable epidemic disease, like virus that's going on. Right. I think that, that trumps, <laughs> ew, I hate that word now, fuck, that, you know, supersedes, thank you, uh, privacy, because if I was working with someone and they tested positive for COVID and I wasn't informed, I would be fucking pissed. Right, especially in a processing plant where everybody is working yes. in such close quarters and there's a higher risk, I think, for transmission of any kind of communicable diseases yep. in the first place, yep. you know? 
Plant managers offered $500 bonuses at the beginning of April of this year for not calling out. Hmm. So they wanted people to work sick. Absolutely. Right, because that was more, an incentive. The more they process, the more money they make. So think about it. You're working below minimum wage. I think and I'm I'm asserting this with no evidence. Nothing that I'm going to share in, in the show notes are going to purport that other than I have seen documentation in documentaries about especially undocumented immigrants being paid under minimum wage because they're off the books. Right. So I'm I like that's speculation, but I feel confident in what I'm saying. So let's say they are being paid below minimum wage. They're certainly not getting paid time off. They're not getting vacation time. They're not getting sick time. Um, so if they are sick, not only are they in danger of potentially losing their jobs, they probably feel like because they need to be out for two weeks to quarantine, but they don't have PTO to cover that time. Right. Exactly. Now they're being given a financial incentive to come in sick. And lest us not forget, they're handling fucking animals that are being turned into food that we're eating. Right. Potentially diseased with COVID. Is it spreadable, transmissible through from you know pigs to humans? I don't know. Like if the virus is on a pig that's killed and processed, wouldn't the process um, kill the virus kill the virus and then like i'm sure it's it's a while before it's processed packaged and shows up at our grocery store that's true i guess i never thought about that process i guess i was thinking of it in terms of like a restaurant worker having covid and serving me my food right you know what i mean like yeah i think that's different even yeah okay um so little backstory on the hog production. Um, so as the tobacco economy decreased in the late 20th century, North Carolina became the number two hog production state after Iowa. Iowa, wow. I know. Um, the 2016 analysis by Environmental Working Group and Waterkeeper Alliance found that roughly 3,300 waste lagoons are present in North Carolina, which occasionally, and I'm doing air quotes, this is not a visual medium, <laughs> occasionally overflow into rivers, driveways, etc., especially during hurricane season, which you just said, this is on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Many families near the farm are BIPOC, so black indig indigenous people of color, um, there was a 14-year-old girl that testified to her experience in a Raleigh court, and this was back in December. Um, so this was following up a 2014 lawsuit where more than 500 North Carolinians, mostly black Americans, filed two dozen federal lawsuits. Their main argument being Smithfield has the resources to phase out their current waste management, which includes which includes spraying water contaminated with the waste of the pigs back into the fields as fertilizer. I'm gonna pause for a minute and I'm gonna repeat that. So there's so much waste, pig waste in this state that it is getting back into the water system that they literally are like, hey, 
two in one. We can water the field and fertilize it at the same time because there's literally shit in the water. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm, I know, you look like your mind is blown. Yeah, I mean, it's... They're like, awesome! Right. And then they get to drive two hours, I'm assuming, I am just picked a random length of time, but they get to drive two hours away to their mansion where they drink filtered water and bottled water and don't have to smell, worry about, or anything with this contamination. Exactly. And I'm going to repeat, mostly black Americans, black indigenous people of color, this is fucking ridiculous. It's not surprising in the least. I want to be clear on that. Nothing about this surprises me, even a little bit. Um, so Stephen Wing, an epidemiologist, um, discussed some of the medical conditions that can come up from this. So at the very least, headaches, coughing, and nausea. According to that What the Health documentary, some of the interviews that they talked about, one of the women had um, asthma, uh, sinus, sacadosa. Yep, sacadosa. Sick sinus syndrome. She has a pacemaker. And everyone in her neighborhood has asthma and or cancer. And all the cancer is in the lymph nodes. So it's like stage four, like terminal. Where does it come from? Breathing it in. The smell. So that was another thing. There, the air is so thick with the smell of waste because... Again, same number of hogs in North Carolina as people, but 10 times the number of waste as people. So we have 10 times the amount of waste <laughs> that there are people in this state. And so it doesn't have anywhere to go. What, how do they get rid of all of this pig shit? Like how should they or how do they? How do they? Literally just, it runs into, they, big waste lagoons that overflow, it gets seeped up into the ground, and it goes back into the water supply. I, I'm not understanding why this is legal. Big shrug on that one. It's, well, my assumption would be it's legal because capitalism and government are in fucking bed together. And the lobbyists for food industries are fucking loaded. But they're they're destroying. Mm -hmm. They're destroying not only that town, mm -hmm. but they're destroying the water, the rivers, yep. the lakes. The individuals in this area. So um, I know we talked about Tar, Tar Heel, but in what the health they were talking about Duplin County, North Carolina, and to be quite honest, I I didn't do a, a deep dive enough to find out if this is the same plant that I've been talking about or a smaller one, but it's still through Smithfield, okay? The people in this area are three times more likely to have MRSA, um, more likely to have swine flu. The swine flu actually originated here in North Carolina. <laughs> um, as stated, the hog facilities are disproportionately in communities of color and low income. Um, Let's talk about that for please. a minute because I find that please. that it, it's, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. If you look at neighborhoods or areas of, of all states, not just yep. North Carolina, where there it's a predominant town, city, neighborhood of color. Yes, and you get these big 
corporations yep. that put their processing plants there. And it's like, why? I can tell you why. I can tell you why. I can tell you why. <laughs> tell me why. No, you tell me why. No, you tell me. No, you go. <laughs> it's because the people, they either can't, won't complain. And because if they put processing plants in middle class or upper class or wealthy neighborhoods, they'd have lawyers coming out of the woodwork, making them stop and shut down. But in neighborhoods of color, they don't have the resources to stop these plants from coming in. And then when they start getting sick, and, and you know, you were just talking about this uh, 2014 lawsuits, federal lawsuits filed by people surrounding the processing plant. First of all, I think it's great that they were able to file yes. lawsuits. And I hope that they win. I hope every single one mm-hmm. of them wins. But who's going to win the most out of those lawsuits? Who? The lawyers. Oh, yeah. Oh, pfft. of course. So that, you know, the, that kind of pisses me off, too, that the people who need the money from these lawsuits for health benefits and, and you know, to take care of themselves while they're, they've got stage four lymph node cancer or whatever, and the lawyers are going to walk away with, right? you know, the, the bulk of the money that comes out of these federal lawsuits, if any. Well, I, I see your middle class, upper middle class comment, speculation. I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to raise you my speculation that I think when these plants come in, there, any initial disagreement with it is very quickly subdued by saying, think of all the jobs, think of all the opportunity. Yeah. It'll really boost the economy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, and, and they, I can, I can just, oh, I can just picture these town meetings where people are understandably believing and trying to trust in what these individuals, not necessarily corporations, corporations are behind it, but what government officials and people that they've grown to trust, because there's still, even in 2020, there's still this facade that this is the land of the free and that the American dream exists in reality. And that the American people have a voice in what happens to our country. Exactly. So they placate. Yes. And think of all the opportunity, think of all the jobs, um, all, all of that. So I agree. I think it's, I think it's all of it. Um, what's really, I mean, there's no level of disappointment. This whole thing is just disappointing. But that fertilizer spray that we were talking about, aka fertilizer spray, aka water from the hose, shit water, shit water. They spray it on Sundays. They spray it during funerals. There's not a day it. it the woman being interviewed in What the Health, and I agree with her, feels that they're doing it deliberately during these times when communities of color would want to get together, like have a Sunday barbecue after church or go to church or, I don't know, mourn the loss of someone that they love, (laughs) cared about. And they won't, they will take breaks from spraying, but they always spray on Sundays and they always spray when there's a funeral. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder why. Because they're assholes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, in that documentary as well, the What the Health, the very next day, the documentarian wakes up to a massive fish kill from the burnt, in the Burnt River from the runoff from the hog farms. So it was, it like literally just woke up and hundreds of fish are dead on the shore from the runoff from these waste lagoons. I still don't understand why the EPA allows for all of this waste to be put back into the, the, the rivers and the lakes and... Because the EPA is in bed with everything. This isn't just a conspiracy. The lobbyists and the people, the lengths that they will go to, there are regulations. But as you know from living all over the world, meat is not exported out of this country to other countries because our standards are so fucking subpar. How are they... Do all processing plants get rid of waste the same way mm -hmm. by dumping it into the rivers? Yes, and that was part of the lawsuit is that there are resources to phase out these waste lagoons and just this runoff that's happening. But it costs money, it costs time, they have the time, they have the money, they just don't want to do it. They don't give a shit. Well, if what they're doing currently isn't illegal and nobody seems to care other than the people who live there, why would they change? Exactly. I mean, this is free almost. Exactly. You know, it's cheap, it works, and yep. they've been doing it for 50 years. And the food production industries are so enmeshed with government and policy and lobbying that for anyone to get through that, I mean, there's just not enough time, resources to, to do that. Right, I think that that is a big reason. I'm just thinking about how many processing plants there are countrywide. Yeah. And if they're all doing this, like this is really fucking up our environment. Yeah. But then the other side of me is thinking, how the hell do you get rid of 100 tons of pig shit a day? Well, in that, you know, in that lawsuit, saying that there are ways to phase it out, they didn't explain what those phases would be. I honestly, and I, you know, I'm not an environmentalist. I don't know anything about pig shit. <laughs> However, <laughs> I have an opinion about it. So. Oh, please. But, like, I literally feel like we could do almost anything and it would be better. Almost anything than just, like, let's let it pool in these, like... Shit lagoons? Shit lagoons and spray it back into the fields. Two for one, water and fertilizer. Hey! No. I feel like we, we could literally do anything else and it would be at least a little bit better. They're, they're doing nothing. That's just ridiculous. Yep. So that's on capitalism and that's on hog production. In this, our state of North Carolina. Uh, yuck. So. <laughs> I feel like you're not going to lighten the mood. No, I'm going to take it down a notch. Mm. Yeah, take it, take it down. You're going to take it down past pig shit? Past pig shit. All right. Yeah, yeah this is, it just blows my mind. <laughs> Um, this is the Hamlet chicken plant. Okay. And Hamlet, North Carolina is 
probably about an hour and a half, two hours south of Raleigh, um, near a town called Pinehurst. Hmm, you're familiar with Pinehurst. I'm familiar with Pinehurst. My parents retired to Pinehurst, and my sister and brother-in-law actually still live there. Okay. Um, I live there briefly as well. It's a, it's a small town. It's, um, it's famous for the Pinehurst Country Club. Um, the like the Masters golf tournament okay. has been held there a couple of times, and um, it's a pretty upper middle class um, place to live. Okay, um, I I would argue it's a hell mouth of sorts because the rotaries, you can follow the directions all you want, you're still going to go in circles. Well, the rotaries are new, but I, I just I, <laughs> I that time that we spent there. I, every time I was like, I, I I got it this time, and I was going completely the wrong way. Right, and five hours later, you're still driving around, <laughs> driving around the roundabout. So, you know, I just decided it was a Buffy-esque hell mouth of just, like, loops and nothing meant anything. Well, it's a, it's a big retirement community, and so there's a lot of older people, um, a lot of Cadillacs, big cars. Oh, boy. And little tiny old people who don't know how to drive these things. Um, but... So you've got Pinehurst, which is like the epicenter, and you know it's really nice, beautiful houses, kind of wealthy people, um, and then you've got smaller towns surrounding it. And Hamlet is one of those smaller towns. And Hamlet is predominantly um, a town of that houses that's um, a neighborhood for people of color. Okay, um, and it's a you know lower. Eco, eco, socioeconomic. Beautiful. I don't know why I can't speak to it. <laughs> We're rusty. We're rusty. Gosh. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get back in the groove. And, you know, it's, um, it's beautiful out there. It's, it's um, all pine trees. And Hence Pinehurst. Pinehurst. And, right. you know, it's got the sand hills. I mean, it's, sure. it's, it's pretty. Um, it's, but, again, it's, it's that R word, rural. 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 <laughs> that is so hard to say. <laughs> Um, so there was a chicken plant. There, there still is. Now it's a Tyson chicken plant uh. out in that area. And um, but the one I want to talk about is the Hamlet Chicken Fire. Um, it was in 1991. There was a chicken plant, um, and this particular plant at the time didn't actually process the animals from live to dead. Okay. They received dead. Okay. And they processed the meat into different chicken things, like chicken patties and nuggets and, you know, chicken things. Um, So, 1991, there was a fire in this plant, and it ended up leaving 25 people dead. Jeez. And 55 people injured. Um, the owner lived in, gosh, some big city, maybe Raleigh someplace, Virginia, and he had managers overseeing this plant. Well, they kept all of the windows boarded over because they claimed that there was a lot of um, looting after dark and that people had stolen things. What the fuck are you going to steal from a chicken processing plant? That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, you can't haul off the fryers or the big machines. What is in there? There's 
no money being exchanged. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. Okay. So they had all the windows boarded up because of this, um, you know, after hours thievery. Sounds sus, as the kids would say. Yeah, very sus. <laughs> and most of the fire exits were uh, chained shut, locked shut with big padlocks. I'm sorry. Yes. That was my very good, my favorite murder impression. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Emergency exits chained. That's a oxymoron. I mean, it's a huge violation. Yeah. Um, there were no safety inspections done by the state mm. due to a lack of inspectors. Mm-hmm. Um, the doors were kept padlocked and the windows boarded. Workers claimed that most of the chicken meat that they got was rotten. Ugh. And that's why they were processing it into nuggets. But none of this came out until after the fire that killed 25 people. Okay. And again, I think, you know, you've got this plant in the middle of this, literally in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, surrounded by neighborhoods that are predominantly people of color. Right. So it's like, if you want a job, you work here. That's right. And you, Opportunity. Keep, your, you keep your mouth shut about padlocked doors and boarded over windows. Jesus. and. I mean, the, the list of safety violations, they had no sprinkler system. They, had, they <gasps> didn't even have fire alarms. Okay, so can I recap, please? Please. Windows boarded, uh-huh. emergency exits padlocked and chained. Yes. No sprinkler systems. Nope. No fire alarms. Nope. No safety inspections. Nope. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, this was literally a hellhole. Holy and shit. The thing of it was is is that um, you know, they were processing chicken bits into nuggets. And so they were actually they had deep vat fryers where they were you know, they had hot oil and they were frying all of this shit. And no 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 you know, fire suppression system, not even alarms. I mean it was ridiculous. And the way that the plant was laid out, it was very long. And so people, you know, the fryers were here and then there were other people working in the warehouse. And so they didn't know that fire had broken mm-hmm. out until literally all hell broke loose. And once you have oil that's spattering and catching fire, it's almost impossible to contain because you also, you can't use Jeez. water to fight an oil fire. Right. So. There was this whole oh thing my gosh. was a train wreck from the beginning. <sighs> Just all the safety violations and everything that had faulty machinery that had been kind of fixed, but wasn't really fixed. That's mm. what led to the fire. Uh, it started in the fryer, of course. So you've got all this oil catching fire, spattering everywhere. Oh my gosh. People, I mean, they were racing to the fire doors, couldn't get out. Most of the people who were found um, deceased in the building were found by the, the oh, fire doors. by the doors. By the fire doors. <laughs> they could not get out. I mean, how this is irresponsible. Awful. So, well, it's beyond, it's beyond irresponsible. It's criminal. It's, it's criminal. It's negligence. It's literally a big middle finger to... Everyone working there, everyone in that community. The the plant itself had only been open for 11 years, but in that 11 years, it had had three previous fires. (gasps) None as deadly as this one and none as widespread as this one. Hang on, none as deadly? There were other fires that killed people. 
No, they didn't oh, kill anybody. Got it. There none of them were lethal. No, got none it. of them were lethal. But they had three previous fires, and no safety changes had been made due to these three previous fires. They just kept going. This fire in 1991 actually destroyed the plant, and due to lawsuits and everything else, they it's it shut down for good. The owner was brought up on charges of non-negligent manslaughter. Non-negligent. That's what it says. And he received a 20-year sentence. He only served four years. Oh, my God. I'm about to flip tables. Four years for 25 people dead. Never mind the 55 people injured. Yeah. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, and the they were ordered to pay one of the highest fines ever, ever cited in the state of North Carolina. Um, and because of this, you know, the state of North Carolina, they were called out for their safety um, and, you know, lack of safety inspectors. Right. And so they were required to hire, like, an additional 30 or 40 inspectors to help cover the state. We're talking about inspectors for the entire state of North Carolina. And they, I think they only had 47 back in 91. And was this just for processing plants or this was for a variety of things? No, just fire inspectors. So it was for any business. So, I mean, again, speculation, but I'm going to go out on a not very, you know, far limb here and say that I would venture to guess there probably were enough inspectors, but when it comes to institutions like this where workers may be undocumented or people of color or in communities of color or low income, nobody fucking cares. Right. And no one's going to say anything. No one's going to whistleblow and say, hey, you know what? I've worked here for 10 of the 11 years that it's been open. I've never seen a safety inspection. Right. Well, I guess I better mind my own business because I need, I need to fucking eat today and like pay my mortgage. Right. But the other thing is, is that, you know, this being such a small area of the state and it's literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. So you're talking a safety inspector is going to be coming from Raleigh or Fayetteville, which would be the next town over. So you're talking, you know, 45 minutes to an hour drive minimum to get there. So you probably had safety inspectors being like, yeah, yeah, everything was fine. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't. No, none of it would surprise me. I'm sure it's a mixture of everything of, you know, this isn't as important. This doesn't take priority. This is a, you know, and, and this is where it becomes a race issue, a class issue. Um, you know, on the on the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. Um, yep. And I, I don't think that is uh, appropriate for me to say, so I apologize. I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to say bottom of the totem pole anymore. Oh, cultural appropriation. We're learning. Yep, I'm learning and growing. I apologize. Um, you know, not being a priority, not being a priority at all. I, I don't feel like these communities are on anyone's radar for giving a shit. No, because they don't care. They don't care. The, the fire inspectors don't care. The state health inspectors don't care as far as, you know, the Smithfield plant. And if this was a plant in a different neighborhood, yep. you know, where it was 
where the workers were all white, right? Then you damn well know. Oh God, yeah. That there's going to be fire systems and absolutely at least fire alarms. I mean, God, there's no question there. And I'm so confident and I, I feel that you are too. I'm so confident in that belief. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how to express it. Like I'm, I'm so enraged that this is so commonplace that we would hear this and go, Oh, of course, mm -hmm. not in a flippant way. Like we don't care, but that it doesn't even register shock anymore because well, first of all, 2020, I think has illuminated many of us more, more than ever. Yeah. But also like this has been happening since the beginning of ever. I mean, this is not even remotely new. Um, but it's still infuriating that it's still happening. It's like this weird conflict happening at the same time. Like, I'm not at all surprised. I'm still enraged. Right. And I think that the more enraged we become, the more change we want to happen. Right. And it's not happening. And I'm, I'm at this point where it's, how can we still have these systems in place that aren't working and are keeping other people down and we're, we're doing nothing to change it. Because we have to, well, we don't have to. What we have to do is light a match and burn it all down. I mean, mm. I've been saying that, you know, since the beginning of our podcasting and then, and then some. But all we have to fight these injustices are systems that are broken. So we're fighting broken systems with broken systems. With more broken systems, yeah. It's, it's like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Um, it's fighting fire with fire. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense. I don't see any way to change it. I mean, like, like you said, we have so many broken systems in place. And um, I watched something last night where they were, they were talking about bias, our own personal bias. Ah, uh, yes, Lauren, Lauren Order. And it made me start thinking about things that we still, or I still, Yep. I still think or say or question. Yep. And it's, we have to start looking at our own way of thinking and our own bias before we can attack larger areas, you know? Yeah. And I think they can, I think those things can be done simultaneously. Well, yes. Yeah. But I think that if we don't acknowledge our own, right. we're not going to be able to acknowledge the larger issues that are out there. That is true. And it's, it's, it's only been fairly recent that it's become just so open in my mind that it it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, people of color are dying for no reason. Yeah. And everything I see on TV or in the news, I'm like, does walking down the street justify dying? Right. And what's interesting is you saying it's getting worse. I don't, I don't know that it's gotten worse. I think we are more informed than we've ever been. True. I think it's always been this bad and we just didn't know. That's true. Um, because I mean, pre smartphones and the media that we have now, I imagine, I mean, I don't have to imagine. I mean, these things were happening all the time in communities of color and not even remotely reaching news that 
non-communities of color would hear about. Right. Right, exactly. But with smartphones, I mean, mm -hmm. luckily, people can record things That's as right. they're happening so that we can finally see things. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just gotten bad. It's, it's not over, is all I can say. You know, I mean, you know, we're going into the holidays, which this is my favorite time of year. Um, there has been a new president elected, although <laughs> I talked to several patients today who <clears throat> believe that it's not over and uh, Trump will be victorious and um, uh, that that the Democrats cheat it. But any anyway, I digress. Um, but so we have we have a new president and this godforsaken year is almost over. That being said, the fight is not over. And I think it's important not to lose sight of that. Yes. I think, at least I'm trying to exist in two realities at the same time. Like, being mindful and grateful for the things that I have day to day and spending time with family and things that I enjoy like the holidays, but also not not forgetting not forgetting i'm sorry i'm laughing at the face that you just made oh <laughs> it, it was precious but you know existing in that reality but also not losing sight that like december 25th or january 1st or thanksgiving day like the revolution is still happening and we still have to be vocal about it yeah we can we cannot become complacent and just because it's not trending doesn't mean that it doesn't need our attention. And I, I think now more than ever, this week is uh, tra National Trans Remembrance Week. So Friday is the day of Trans Day of Remembrance. I may be inverting those words, but um, so that is celebrating all of the individuals who have lost their lives um, simply for being trans. Yeah. Which is terrifying. It's very terrifying. And they won't be the last. I mean, it's not going to end. And I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but I, I did a walk in Asheville. We did a candlelight vigil, uh, silent walk to uh, Paxware. Mm -hmm. And is that where the drum circle is? No, that's at Pritchard Park. Pritchard Park. We went to Pritchard Park. And we sat up there and um, for hours, and I'm not exaggerating, for hours, everyone read off the names of every single trans individual who had been killed simply for being who they were. Yeah. And it, it was intense. And it was really, you know, illuminating. One thing that interests me is I saw, I think my son posted this last week on Facebook or Instagram, one of those places, and it said, explain to me why homosexuality is bad without using the Bible mm -hmm. or religion in any way. And it was like, I would love to have this conversation with somebody who hates people of color, hates gay people, simply because of their 
fact that they're gay or because they happen to be black. And it's like, truly, what, you know, take the Bible out of it and tell me what is so wrong with me being a human being. Right. And if I choose to marry another woman, what difference does it make to you? That's right. I'm not in your bedroom. That's right. I'm not in your house. Yep. Just be nice to everybody. It's not that fucking hard. You know, why are people of color automatically grouped together into this subpar group? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't get it. We're all human beings. Exactly. Mind your business. Yep. Take care of each other. That's right. That's How right. hard is that? And, and, and leave God out of it. God will judge me if he chooses to judge me. Right. It's not up to you. No. That, that's what I, I don't understand. I would love to have a conversation with, with a, a religious person yeah. who uses religion as a basis for their hatred. I would right. love to talk to them about it and, and them not be able to use the Bible for reference. Yeah. I think that'd be fascinating. I would be really interested to read those comments and see what people were able to come up with, if anything. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank you. Huh. For sharing that. Huh. Hmm. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> Let us know if you guys have any topics you want us to discuss in future episodes. Yes. Thank you. Bye. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.